You know, as I look out there at the craziness this past year, two or three, the chaos in our world, I think one of the things, if you're like me, that it does is it it reminds me that uh, we should never have been putting our hope in the kingdoms of this world in the first place. But if we're honest, many times we do. We should be putting our hope in the only kingdom that, that lasts forever. That's the, the kingdom of God. And I thought about, for, for those of us who maybe fell into that lie of putting our hopes in the kingdom of this world, it's like we were, we're on an airplane, and all of a sudden, maybe for some of us, just these past few years, we're, we're realizing that, whoa, the, the oxygen pressure has been sucked out of this airplane, the, the kingdoms of this world, and, and we need some oxygen from above. And I envision that, that mass dropping down. And some of us are saying, I need to put that mask on and get some deep breaths from God's kingdom. The truth that I can hold on to because this world is letting me down. And as I looked at our passage today, Jesus is going through four more parables. And I see each of these parables as a deep breath of God's kingdom that we need for our sustenance and our strength. And for those of you who love parables, you're saying, all right. Some more parables. Those of you who want to get back to the action in Mark, next week we'll get back. This is the last of the parables in his book because his book is a, a book of action. But there's some important teaching of Jesus that we need today. And I believe will strengthen us in our walks. And if I could sum up his teaching in these parables, two main ideas. One is revelation. We have a God who reveals himself and results. What happens in the life of the believer when we receive that revelation and faith and, and live in light of it? I want to start with the revelation idea. God reveals His truth to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Can we just take a minute and say, wow, thank you that we have a God who does that. He didn't have to, but He does. And the parable that Jesus tells to show this is the parable of the lamp in Mark 4. If you have your Bibles, verse 21. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now in context... When Jesus talks about the lamp here, most of us think about when he talked about it in Matthew, and he's telling believers to go out and let your light shine before men, that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Here, the context is a little bit different. The lamp is Jesus and his revelation that he's bringing in his teaching. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at our house, in our main room, we have at least seven or eight different lights between the lights in the ceiling and the different lamps we have. So no one lamp is very important. If one went out, we just turn on another one. Not to mention, during the daytime, we got windows that let in all this Arizona sunshine. But in this time, I'm telling you, in the Galilean peasant's home, they had one main room that usually had no windows. And in that room, they would have one little clay lamp with a wick 
that they would either put on a stand attached to the wall or attached to a beam in the middle of the room. So if you wanted to live life in your Galilean home, you needed that lamp to live. There's no wonder Jesus says is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket. No, the lamp is there to, to bring light to the darkness. Now, this came home in a real practical way yesterday. We had a meeting here about cleaning the building and some different things. And earlier in the week, Daryl had called me and said, hey, there's no light switch by the door, and all there is is a plate there. And so we're trying to figure out who did that. And I texted the landlord, and the landlord said, I don't know anything about it. And then we got here yesterday, and Rick went by the door and saw two shovels leaning there, and he pulled them out, and guess what was behind the shovels? The light switch. (laughs) You don't put a lamp under a bushel, and you don't put a light switch behind shovels. (laughs) Otherwise, you you lose the, the use of them. But here, think about this. Jesus, God's revelation, is is the light that we need in the darkness. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will will never walk in darkness. Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. If you want to know who God is, you've got to listen and look at Jesus. Today it comes to us through his word, right? What is Psalm 119, 105? Say, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm thankful we have a God who promises to reveal himself to us. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. Bruce and Stan are two guys that wrote a little book called Bruce and Stan's Guide to the Bible. It's a cool little overview of the whole book. And, and they, they went to two verses you're probably familiar with. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And they, they brought out seven things that are true about the Word of God. Just listen to this in just these two little verses. Verse 16, all scriptures breathed out by God. You know what that is? That's all the motivation you need to get in here. This is breathed out by God. That's your motivation to get in here, right? It's profitable for teaching. That's instruction. If you're looking for instruction for life, it is in here. Open His Word for reproof. We don't like this one, but we need it. That's detection. When we go off track and we, we're going down a, a bad way, it detects that and shows us to it. But it doesn't just say, hey, you're going off track. It's also for correction. It says you're off track. Here's the way back on track and for training in righteousness. That is direction. How do I live? So many people in this world starving for direction. And it is right here in God's Word that the man of God, I'll add, the woman of God may be complete. That is provision. If you want to be complete in your walk, stay in God's Word on a daily basis. And last but not least, equipped for every good work. That is realization of our purpose. God put us here to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. If you want to be equipped to realize those, 
Stay in His Word. How wonderful is that? And I always like to make things practical, so I want to remind you of an offer I made last week. If the Bible is overwhelming, the big picture of it all, and you want a good overview, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible by Max Anders. Order it on Amazon, and then starting February 15th, February 14th, remember your sweetheart. February 15th, remember this. I'm going to invite you to go through it for 30 days at home on your own. And then at the end of the 30 days, whoever texts me or emails me and tells me, hey, I'm doing that, we'll have a get-together and just share and celebrate what God showed us during that study. So let me know if you're interested. 30 days understanding the Bible. But thank God we have a, a Lord who reveals Himself. Now I want to talk to you about the results. The results of those who receive that revelation by faith and live it out. Okay, and the first parable about this is the parable of the measure. Verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. I say, what is he saying with this measure? What he's bringing out is the idea that is to the extent we open God's word and receive it in our lives and allow it to shape our lives, he will give us more instruction. You say, make, make it practical. The old five-gallon jug, right? We don't use sparklets. We go to Safeway or Fry's and fill these bad boys up ourselves. But many of you have heard of sparklets. They deliver water to your house. You know how they operate? They say, leave your empty bottles outside and we'll replace them with full bottles. In other words, they only bring more water when you've used up the water that you already have. Just like at a restaurant, your waiter or waitress, unless they're extra ambitious, don't give you a refill on your drink until you're done with the one you have. What Jesus is saying here is if you want to continue to grow in your knowledge and your walk with Him, the first step is to respond in faith and obedience to what you already know. That's what He's talking about with the measure. Now, I'll tell you something that helps with that, responding to what we already know. Getting to know some other believers who hold you accountable. Like I was in a men's group on Friday and we were talking about living in consideration of our wives. And one of the things I, I told the men is I, I want to grow in praying with my wife more often than I do. And then the next day I was sitting at the table with Carolyn and she was sharing some things in the the Holy Spirit starts prompting me, this is a good chance to pray with her. And part of what, what inspired me was I know some of those guys at that men's group two Fridays from now are going to say, hey, how's it going? You talked about needing to pray more with your wife. Did you do it? <laughs> and we had a, a great prayer time there. Uh, accountability sure helps. It helps us respond to, to what we know. But I think about this offer from Jesus. As long as we keep on drinking and obeying by faith what he's given us he'll he'll bring more i had somebody in our family extended family around christmas time we're hanging out they said hey you've been preaching for a long time don't you ever run out of things to say 
And I, I thought about it for a while, and I said, you know, if it was all about my little pea brain and my thoughts and my ideas, I would have been dried out a long time ago. <laughs> this is a finite well here. But as long as we're constantly turning to God's Word, this is an infinite well that, that never, ever runs dry because it comes from an infinite God. David McKenna said it this way, no one can prayerfully and systematically study the Word of God without entering into an expanding world of truth. One insight leads to another. A small phrase expands into an eternal verity and every thought connects with other thoughts in an inexhaustible universe of truth. That's why you can read through it year after year and continue to find new discoveries and ways that it applies to your life. Now, Jesus went on to give a warning from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I'm going to paraphrase something I heard recently that made me laugh, but it's kind of heavy too. The difference between a, a faithful Christian and others who read the Word is the faithful Christian does not highlight his Bible with whiteout. <laughs> you catch it? If we come here with a resistant heart that says, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not open to your truth, Lord. I don't want that because it impinges on what I want. We probably shouldn't expect to get much out of our time. The invitation from Jesus is to come with an open heart that says, Lord, fill me, fill me. Now, I, I thought about this. I shared with you all a couple weeks ago. I had a Sunday morning where I was feeling really weary spiritually, and I almost called Pastor Aaron and said, I'm not coming in to preach. He's <laughs> just going to do some worship this morning. But the only thing that kept me going was I knew it would be wrong. And I prayed to God, and I said, God, I am so weak. I'm so finite, but I praise you that you are infinite. Please fill me with the strength I need this morning. And he did. And I shared that story, and I wonder after sharing that if some of you in here are like, why in the world would God do that to us? Like, why doesn't He just give us a one-time fill-up where we feel strong for life? <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I think some of it's the same reason a farmer puts out a salt lick for his cattle. He doesn't put that salt lick out there to dehydrate them so they'll just keep standing there licking the salt. Why does he put it out there? To make them thirsty so that they'll come to the water and be refreshed. You see, it's a daily thing with God. That's why he calls this our daily bread. When you feel weak, come back and pray and look to him and to his word with an open heart. So, so here's the application of this part. If, if you are here this morning and you feel like for a while you've been at a dead end in your spiritual life and you want to learn more, you want to grow more, you want to apply more, go to God with an honest heart and just say, God, is there anything you've already shown me that I'm not obeying, that I am not embracing by faith? And confess it and say, Lord, in your grace, help me to begin obeying that. And then look out, get ready for that next step He wants to take you on. In your journey. Second parable, the seed which grows mysteriously at night. Verses 26 through 28. He said, the kingdom of God 
is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. That's why I said the seed that grows mysteriously. Verse 28 goes on, the the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The the phrase there, by itself, is the Greek word automote, from which we get automatic. The power is in the seed. They they found seeds that are 4,000 years old in the, the, uh, well, those triangle things, pyramids. (laughs) They planted those things and they grew. Uh, Amazing. Now listen, there's a contrast here. Last week we talked about the importance of how we receive God's Word. Remember the parable of the soils? You had the hard heart, the shallow heart, the, the heart that's choked by weeds, and the good heart that, that grows a crop. This week it's focusing more on God's role and the, the seed. Okay. Last week when you think about the reception, I think about the, the jailer in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are in there, there's an earthquake... The bars fall apart and the jailer thinks he's going to be executed because all the prisoners are running away and he's kind of desperate. In verse 29, it says the jailer called for lights, rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I like what William Hendrickson said about this passage. Paul and Silas did not look at him and say, You know, actually, there's nothing you can do. God is sovereign. What did, what, did they, what did they say to him? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. That is the, the human response. That is an important part of the deal. But there's another, I'd say even more important part. It's God's role in this whole process. It's what we're talking about here, the power of the seed. 1 Peter 1.23 says, You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 3.6? He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? Who? God. Yes, boy, you guys are quiet this morning. <laughs> So let me give you guys a a multiple choice pop quiz, all right? Which is it? A, we need to believe and be receptive. Or B, is it God's sovereign power and the power of His Word and the Spirit that's behind it all? C, all of the above. C, all of the above. Yes, that was a trick question. Both of those are realities. And I want to show you two verses back to back that bring out both of those realities in salvation. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, starts with the human response to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. See, that's our response. Now let me talk to you about God's work. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see how it's a both and? Now, we talked about the seed growing mysteriously. I think about those two realities, our response and God's sovereignty. How do those two things fit together? And I want to admit to you, I don't exactly know. I simply see them in the Word and believe them. And I think that's part of 
walking with God, is being okay with the mysteries. He has revealed everything we need to know in here. What He has chosen not to reveal or explain, we simply trust and follow. Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with this mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Can we do that as believers? To say, hey, I'm okay with the mysteries that God has chosen not to explain fully. I'll just be like that weaned child with his mother, totally content to, to trust. We don't have to understand it all to follow him. Maybe that'll free some of you up. That, that freed me up at one point in my walk. There was this, that was one particular issue. I felt like I had to solve that. Guess what? I'm not going to solve that. <laughs> I'm going to trust God. And that freed me up. I'm human. He is God. I am finite. He is infinite. Why, why in the world should I expect to understand everything about Him? Like a symphony. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of music theory to go enjoy a symphony. You don't even have to know all the ins and outs of music theory to play your instrument in it. All you have to know is your part. Correct? We've got to be okay with the mystery. Verse 29, he says, When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. A couple applications out of this. When I think about that word ripe. Just know that with His kingdom and individuals in the kingdom, He is working it towards maturity. He's taking it there. So have patience. Know that God is working towards His desired outcome in your life as a believer. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ. Trust me, I know there are days where it goes really slow in my life. I fall down. I I have to confess. I failed. But He's not going to give up on us. Thank Him for His patience with us. And then let's take another step. Maybe this is more challenging. Let's pass on that patience to the other believers in our lives. Because how many times do we want it to be instant in the life of that other person? While our own growth is just dragging on. We love His patience for us. Oh, but you! (laughs) Have patience. Know God is moving toward His desired outcome for us as individuals and for His kingdom. It's moving towards a harvest. Sometimes we look around this world and many people wonder, "Is is there any direction at all or is it all just chaos? I believe that's what led many throughout history to become deists. You know what a deist is? Someone that believes God set this universe in motion and then just checked out. Now it's all just going crazy. That's not what the Bible teaches. He is working all things toward His desired end. This, this harvest. Acts 17.26 Listen to His hand on history. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Down to verse 31, He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed, and of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him 
from the dead. Even when it doesn't feel like it, you can trust that God is working history towards His desired outcome. He's still on His throne. That brings great peace and strength to the heart of the believer. Now let's talk mustard seed. From small and hidden to large and influential, we're going to look at growth and size and influence of, of God's kingdom. Verse 30, he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now a little apologetics point here. Some nitpickers have looked at this and said, you know what, actually the black orchid seed is smaller than the mustard seed. <laughs> Jesus did not know what he's talking about. This was the smallest seed his audience knew. He's talking to an audience in Palestine, okay? They were tiny. We see these all the time because throughout the years my dad has taped mustard seeds in the birthday cards and Christmas cards that he mails to us along with these verses. They're tiny. If you haven't seen one, go to the store and get one. One man said it takes 760 of these to, to weigh one gram. Tiny. So you add to that as tiny and you hide it in the ground. Then you know what happens with these mustard seeds? People have gone to Israel and seen mustard plants that are 15 feet tall. They become the largest plant in many gardens, so much so that the birds come and, and sit on the branches and find shade there. And Many have wrestled with, what are the birds? Is that Satan's involvement right now, messing with things? Because in the parable of the sower, the birds were bad. Others have said maybe it's the fact that the kingdom would include Gentiles because that bird imagery comes up in the Daniels and Ezekiels and the Old Testament of God's kingdom reaching around the earth. Some have said you're thinking too hard. It just means it's large enough to provide shade and, and shelter for these birds. It went from small and hidden to large and influential. So you say, what, what, how do I apply that to my life? Well, I want to give you one practical application. When God's work seems small and insignificant, be faithful. Be faithful. Think of who he's talking to right here. He's talking to a little group of disciples. And they're looking around and they're like, man, the religious leaders hate him. Not to mention this is God in flesh. He was born in a manger and he grew up in Nazareth. But listen, fast forward to the book of Acts. <laughs> and man, you know what? That little mustard seed beginning had spread to most of the major cities throughout the whole Roman Empire. And long after the Roman Empire itself collapsed, God's gospel continued spreading around the entire world to where you and I are sitting here today. We can look back and already see how it's, it's, it's turning into that, that mustard seed plant, right? But what about us as we sit here in 2021? We can also take this hope and look forward. Know that one day, as Daniel said in 2.44 after Nebuchadnezzar's vision, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. 
It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. That's the kingdom we need to put our hope in. Know that as Habakkuk said in chapter 2 verse 14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So what I want to tell you is do not do not get lost and discouraged by the present. Focus on the promise. Focus on the promise of the mustard seed. Don't forget the value and power of the small. I, I think about that in the kingdom at large, but I also think about that in the opportunities God brings us on a day-in, day-out basis. Sometimes we tend to think only in terms of huge evangelistic campaigns or mega churches. That's where God's working, but you know what? And He does. He does, but He also works in the daily opportunities you have as a believer in your life. I think about someone that sat in our 8.30 service that witnessed to her father about the gospel this week. She realized her father had grown up in a church that didn't teach the true gospel, and she reached out, and then she reached back to her father and shared the truth with him about Jesus. Mustard seed at work. Pray for her father. I think about... A couple weeks ago, I was struggling to get the lights off of some of our pine trees because they're getting larger. And a couple elders from a, a local church that doesn't teach the gospel of the Bible stopped by and offered to help me. And at first I said, no, I got it. And they walked back to their truck and then God started tapping on me. He said, you need to go talk to them. So they were still sitting there for a while. So I walked down and knocked on the window. and They rolled down their window and I said, hey, I just want to say thank you for... Uh, offering to to help me. And I just want to share a, a verse with you. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And they offered to, they see, their, their eyes kind of lit up, and they said, oh, we follow Jesus too. You want us to come back and talk with you about that some more? And I don't know, maybe I should have said more or said yes, but I just planted a seed. I said, no, thank you. Because I know you and I follow a different Jesus. You guys have a good day. Thank you for stopping by. And then I went inside and prayed with the family. Lord, please water that seed. It was just one little verse. Please help that question to prick their hearts enough to explore. Why, why would somebody say that? It, it, it was Monday on our street. Our boys were out making money shoveling. Getting industrious out there. Taking advantage of the <laughs> snowstorm. And... We, we had a neighbor who, they, they went over and asked, hey, could we shovel your driveway for $10? They ended up giving them 30 so wow. the shoveling business is good these days. <laughs> but, but while I was going out to check and make sure they, they got it done right, the, the, the wife and the family came out and said, you know, this was so timely that they came over and asked because my husband's having some medical tests and he's fallen a couple times the last few weeks and they expect it may be bone or blood cancer. And right there in the middle of a snowy street, I just said, hey, can I, can I pray with you? And she paused. I thought she was going to say no for a second. And then she said, yeah. And right there on the street, I got to pray with my neighbor, just through a little shoveling connection. And I think about moments like that. If, if our eyes are open to them, those are the mustard seed moments that God often uses. He can use the big two, but don't forget his ability to use the small. And I, I think about why does he so often use the small? Like... Think about 
history throughout the Bible. Like, you're going to start a nation. Why do you choose an old barren couple? And then they, they start to multiply, and you have their whole nation locked up in slavery. And then you get to guys like Gideon, and, and you show him a, an army of enemies that's too many to number, and, and he, Gideon's gathering his army, and God said, nope, that's too many. Too many. Too many. Narrow it down, narrow it down, and then when he gets down to a real small army, he says, by the way, here's your weapon, jars and torches and trumpets. Okay, Lord. Baby in a manger. Why would he choose to work in you and me? Warts and all, like Paul says, it's a treasure in a jars of clay. I think about all those things and I think, man, it's because when he works that way, there is no question as to who gets the glory when he shows up. When he gives a baby to an old barren couple, when he sets his children free with plague after plague after plague and shows his wonders. When he destroys an entire army through unconventional means, when he uses a baby in a manger to give his life for the world, rise again and ascend to heaven where he sits on the throne, when he uses you and I by the power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says it this way, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He loves using mustard seeds because it brings Him glory. And we get to be a part of it. Now I want to close with an exciting invitation. Some of you are getting these deep breaths of the kingdom and you're like, man, I want to... I want to walk this out. I want to be a part of this. I want to take my next step. Well, here's an exciting invitation. Verse 33 and 34. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, the crowd, as they were able to hear it. Verse 34, he did not speak to them without a parable, but listen, privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And I believe that included all who wanted to know more. All who were open and said, I heard that now, teach me more. It says he explained everything. You know what I see that as? An invitation to anybody in here who says, I want to know more about the kingdom. I want to take that next step. Are you a curious disciple? Follower of the king that, that wants to learn more? Maybe you are, but in the back of your head you're saying, man, if, if only I had an expert to sit with me and guide me as I learn. Listen to this. I saw this this week. Job wanted. Tutor available for a Bible study. Will help any Christian interested in understanding the Bible. Available 24 hours. No advance notice required. Services rendered freely. Results guaranteed. For credentials, see 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 15. Contact Holy Spirit directly. <laughs> You believe it? That's what Jesus said, John 14, 26. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I want to say something as we close here. You listen to Him. 
as you open God's Word, you're, you're well on your way to your next adventure in His kingdom, or as we say it here, living a full life in Jesus and bringing others along for the ride. So as we close, I want to invite you to just close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a couple questions for you to just process through before the Lord in your own heart. First question, am I looking to the light of Jesus to light my way in the darkness? Is that where I'm looking for my guidance? Second, am I at a spiritual dead end because I've resisted some of what I know God has said? If that's you this morning, confess it, bring it to Him. Claim His grace in Jesus and ask Him for help to to begin obeying that. Or am I responding to to what I know and and looking for more? Let me ask you about the mysteries that God hasn't chosen to fully explain. Am I okay with that? Am I okay with admitting I'm human? I'm finite. Even though I don't understand it all, I trust you, Lord. And I I, I trust that you show me all that I need. I will rest in, in that. As I look at the processes of growth and maturity? Am I, am I restless or am I patient knowing that God is working in me and, and other believers towards that maturity that He promises? And same with history in general. Am I restless, doubting? Or am I trusting that even in the realm of world history, God is working toward His desired outcome? Is that my anchor that He's in control? Am I ashamed of what I see as small and hidden in God's kingdom? Or do I trust that God's kingdom will one day be a worldwide physical reality in the new heavens and the new earth, new Jerusalem, that it's the only kingdom that will last and that He's inviting me to be a part of that now through faith and repentance that turns to Jesus. Father, I thank You for these breaths of fresh air from from Jesus, these parables about the kingdom. I I pray it inspired some hearts to to have hope, even in the middle of the chaos, whether it's personal chaos, hard week in our individual families, or just the, the craziness in the world. Help us to look higher. If if we've lost hope, oftentimes it's because we need to look higher. Help us to look to Jesus and his kingdom that will never end. Father, help us to be faithful in our roles in it right now as He reigns in the hearts and lives of those who trust in Him. Father, I pray even as we take our offering this morning that You'd help us to use that for the furtherance of the good news of Your kingdom and salvation in Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.